You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. Sabbath. And um, last week I was at Northwest, which was great. I got to hear my very first message on the Sabbath because Ben and I have been away for a a couple of weeks before that. But I then listened, listened to all the podcasts a week uh, for the other weeks that we missed. Um, I, I listened to those on Monday and it's just been such a great series. Just an incredible series to be in. And, you know, God's really challenging me. Um, He's offending my mind a little bit. And who knows how that's not a very nice experience sometimes to have your mind offended. Um, It is challenging my belief system. I, I guess for me, the Sabbath has been something that I've heard about, I've, I've seen in the Bible, you know, it's an Old Testament thing in my mind and it's something that's, you know, irrelevant to me or I've just dismissed it. I've, I've dismissed the, the relevance of it to me up until this point. And you know how there's something that grabs your attention and God just wants you to, to have a bit of a look at it and to actually see that His Word is never irrelevant and... His Word is living and active. And so all those little bits that I, you know, even in the New Testament where I'd read it, I'd be like, that's not for me. It doesn't really matter. I just dismissed it. I I realized that there is a truth in the Sabbath that God wants me to get. And that when I get that truth, that there's going to be an abundance of life that comes from that truth. And... And so this is part of the journey that, that I'm on. Ben and I, as I said, have just come back from two weeks traveling around Central Australia with Emil and Holly, which was really cool, heaps of fun. Our kids had a lot of, uh, a lot of fun doing it. And we got to be Aussie tourists in Australia. That's an interesting thing to be. It's nice to see Jamie and Christy back on the, from their three months of traveling around Australia as well. We got to catch up with him only briefly, but that was fun. And uh, we checked out some really great, great places. So we checked out Uluru, which is cool. Um, we got to see the majesty of the Grand Canyon. Of the, sorry, not Grand Canyon. I was thinking of your journey that you're going to. That's next. Yeah, that's awesome. Next year. We haven't seen that. But we saw Kings Canyon. That's what we saw. <laughs> I'm, with, I'm with it. It was grand, all right? It was awesome. But it was, it's just beautiful. The majesty of that place was, it just captured my heart. We got to see the crazy red dirt. Oh my gosh, red dirt in everything, stains things. Oh my gosh. Uh, my white, the bottom of my soles of my shoes were white and now they're red. So that's cool. Um, we, got to, we got to learn about a lot about Aboriginal history and the culture, the rich culture that um, is just amazing and it blew my mind um we got to we got to we basically packed in as much as we could in a short couple of weeks and there was so much more that we could have seen but the thing that got me when when we were traveling around was that this amazing place was in my backyard and I had no idea about the vast expanse that is in our country you know, I'd heard about it, but until you experience it, 
It's something else. And just to know the greenery in the desert and the huge rocks in the middle of nowhere. There's like nothing and then a massive rock. Like it's amazing. There's wild camels in our backyard. Oh, I was so excited when we were, you know, we saw very little wildlife, wildlife, unfortunately. Apparently if you drive at night, you'll see a lot more. We did not do that. But um, I, as we were driving along, a couple of times I saw, I've, I could count, I, I saw one kangaroo in, this was in the wild. I saw others in captivity, but one um, one kangaroo. I saw three emus in the wild. Yep. I saw one dingo. I saw a dingo. I was like blown away. It was so exciting. It was like sun was rising at this camp spot and there was this dingo just heading out for the day. I was like, that was pretty cool. And I saw wild camels. So we're driving along in our big Winnebago and I'm like, camels! There's camels! I think I don't think, did you actually see them? You did see them. That was the only thing I think that Ben, every time I'd call out, the girls would be too busy, like doing, yeah, Ben nearly lost control of the car. Um, the girls were too busy doing whatever they were doing in the back. But I was so excited that we got to see wild camels. You can ask me about them later. I'm sure you're really interested. And, um, and I saw a lot more, but... Uh, that would take up the whole message if I, if I could. But the thing is, it's changed the way that I see Australia now. It's changed the way that I look at Australia. And as we travelled around, I felt God impress on me that this is similar to the Sabbath. The Sabbath is something that's been sitting there in the great universe of my life, waiting to be discovered, waiting to be discovered by us. And for the richness that it means and all that it entails to be revealed to us. And once you know about it, you can't go back. You can't unknow it. Once you know it, once you know the richness of it, it will change your life forever. You will experience something that you don't ever want to not experience again. You see, my dismissing of the Sabbath comes from a history of people speaking into my world that, it was more like a, a legalistic ritual where you are not allowed to do things on the Sabbath. You are not allowed to um, work or you are not allowed to uh, clean your car or you're not allowed to do the mow the lawn or play sport or whatever it might be. From various people who have spoken that into my life, not realizing that in doing what, in, in all of this uh, journey that I've been on, that I've just you know, throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I haven't actually gone back to say, God, what is it that you say about the Sabbath? I just let it go. It just was something that I wasn't interested in because it sounded like, you know, just mean. I don't, you know, I, I don't want to tell people they can't do things on a day. That's not, that's not fair. That doesn't sound like God. Um, and, you know, sometimes God says it's time. It's time to change your mindset. It's time for you to explore a little bit more about what this means. And so that's what we've been doing for the last few weeks. And, you know, if I wasn't preaching, there's a good chance I would run away from this because I really feel like that's, it's going to be a really big thing. And, and, you know, we all have a choice in this. We all have a choice to hear this series on the Sabbath and say, that was a great series, I'm not going to apply it. Or, you know, that was a series that really challenged my thinking. I'm going to really think about how God wants to apply that in my life. 
I love that God <laughs> seems to speak to me so clearly in these times of rest, these months of rest. And for the last couple of years, that's where I've heard him the most clearly. And that is, that's just been so refreshing for me. He reminds me all the time that, you know, for, for all the time that my identi identity has been wrapped up in what I do, that he really cares about who I am. And this is part of who I am. This is him just grabbing my attention again and saying, hey, you know what? This is going to be good for you. This is going to be great for you. Let's do this together. He's choosing to remind me gently and graciously that what I, need to, what I do needs to come from that place of trusting and resting in him. So we're going to pray this morning. Lord God, we are grateful for all that you do in our lives and we are so incredibly grateful for who you are. Father, would you come this morning, would you arrest our hearts Lord, would you challenge our minds? And God, would you take us on a journey, Father, to, to show us a little bit more about what it is that you want us to know about the Sabbath. Lord God, what it is that you intended for us in this. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So a couple of really quick things to start us off to remind us about the things that, you know, that I got out of the few messages that I've listened to and hopefully some you'll have other things as well that you can add to this list. But these are a couple of just a few reminders. So the Sabbath is not about a particular day. We can choose when we have our Sabbath. It's not doesn't have to be a Sunday. Uh, it, and it's going to be different for every person. So that was one of the first things that I, that I have got in my mind. Sabbath is more than a day off. It's an intentional stopping, resting, celebrating, recreating or having fun and contemplating God. It's another important point. God designed the Sabbath for you and me. Therefore, we must need it and we're going to be better off with it. It doesn't mean inactivity, but it might at times, but it is intentional activity. We don't work for rest, we work from rest. Sabbath is a place where we can hear God in the stillness and the intentionality of our posture. We need to build a rhythm of rest into our lives. I love the picture of that. Pastor Keith talked about this rhythm of rest. Beautiful. Sabbath is not a list of rules of what we can and can't do. So there's some of the things that we've started with. And today we're going to talk about Sabbath as satisfaction. So we're going to read this morning from Philippians 4, 10 to 13. And I think God's really funny sometimes. No, you know, besides the fact that he created these amazing sea creatures and weird like fish that live in the deepest, darkest parts of the ocean that we're never probably ever going to see, half of them. I think that's hilarious. But that's God, right? And But the other reason is today... Today he's funny because last time I preached on Mother's Day, I finished on this scripture. And I thought I had revelation then. And there's more. Who would know? There's more. So every time we read the word, there's more for us. Oh, God's funny. Anyway, just thought I'd let you in on that. I think he knows I need like things to be repeated. 
a few times. I think you, got, you know, do you, you probably need it as well. You must need it as well because I'm preaching from there again today. So, you know, we're in the same boat. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, starting at verse 10, says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And, you know, when we talked about this the last time I talked about it, the context is still the same, funnily enough. Paul's in prison and he doesn't know what his future holds, really. He doesn't know what tomorrow's going to bring. He doesn't know, um, you know, a whole lot of what's going on. He is uh, being, he's relying on other people to look after him. He's relying on uh, those people who he can, you know, count on to bring him what he needs to survive. Because unlike our prison system today, where we look after everyone no matter what you've done, they had no obligation to do that for Paul. And so it was his job to find people to help him, basically, while he was in prison or he would die. Um, and so he's relying on all that. So it's not an ideal setting, right? It's not where we would want to be. And yet, in the middle of all of that, he says, I have learned the secret of being content in ev any and every situation. I have learned the secret of being content. And this really blows my mind. He has learned the secret of being content in this particular situation and in any that he finds himself in. And, you know, I'm so grateful that I don't find myself in prison. But there's a lot of people, even some of you here today, who maybe feel imprisoned by a situation, who maybe feel like you are stuck in a place that you are unable to get out of. You feel like, you know, the circumstances around you are just trapping you where you are. It might be a job that you feel like you can't get out of. It might be that your health has trapped you. Or it might be something entirely different, but you feel like there is no escape. It feels hard. And you might be thinking there, what has this got to do with the Sabbath? Stick with me. The secret of being content, what does it mean? What's contentment? Contentment is a state of satisfaction or happiness, or ha happiness or satisfaction. And when it boils down to it, Paul is saying that contentment or satisfaction are not the results of the external factors around us. Contentment is an internal condition. Paul didn't find contentment in the situation he found himself in, but he had an internal condition, an internal contentment that didn't waver when the circumstances around him were not great, or even when they were great. It was the same contentment that he had. He knew that it mattered not whether he ever accomplished another thing in his life or whether he ever got to see freedom again. He had freedom in his soul regardless where he was satisfied in Christ. 
You know, people do all kind of things, kinds of things to find happiness. They're on a constant search because they're no longer able to find it in their marriage or perhaps in the job that they're in or the place where they live. Do you think this could be the main reason for things being so temporary today? Is it possible that we've been tricked into believing that constant change of things will help us to ultimately find what satisfies? If I could only get that new job. If I could only find a new partner, my deepest needs would be met. If I could only move and start over in a new location, I would be content. People are constantly searching for the if-onlys. And they live in a state of discontent. Paul's contentment was an internal peace. A knowledge that it is well. And we can live in that place as well. Stephen Furtick says, being content does not mean I won't experience disappointment. It means I won't be defined by it. The settledness of my soul is not found or lost in the circumstances surrounding my life. It comes from knowing who I am and who I was created to be. Knowing that as I walk with God, as I'm being continually transformed, that God has got this. He has got me and I don't need to concern myself with the things that he has not made my concern. I kind of picture it like my fire at home, like sitting in front of my fire at home, who loves a fire. Yep, when it's a good fire, not a bushfire. We don't like them. We like good fires, the ones that are in the homes contained, great. Or the ones in the backyard that are also contained, also fine. But, you know, I picture it like that. And in my living room... When our fire is on and the temperature is just perfect and I'm cosy and I'm comfortable and I'm loving that place. I love it. The atmosphere is great. The temperature is good and it feels peaceful. It's great. And yet outside my house, there might be a massive storm and the wind might be howling, and there might be rain, there might even be hail, whatever it might be, lightning, thunder, it doesn't matter that that's going on outside, because inside, there's peace. There's, there's this amazing feeling of being content. And then maybe the storm dies down, and it goes away, but still it doesn't matter, because inside hasn't changed. Inside's still the same. I still feel like I did when the storm was raging around outside. And that's kind of the way that I picture contentment in us. And maybe that'll help you to, to think about what it, what it can feel like, what it looks like. But the key is that the fire that we had inside, it didn't stay that way by itself. It needed to be restoked. We needed to add some fuel to the fire. We needed to continue to build the fire so that it kept that same atmosphere, so that it stayed the same temperature that we had grown accustomed to. When I say we, it's totally Ben stoking the fire, generally, in our house. I, I did build it last night. I did build it. But we need to refuel it. We, we need to restoke it. We need to create space in our lives to allow God to fuel that fire, fuel that contentment, make sure that we are being refueled 
And that's where the Sabbath comes in. Because the Sabbath gives us that space. It's not a one-off thing. There's a consistent restoking. There's a rhythm to the restoking. There's a rhythm to the way that we want the Sabbath to be in our lives. There's a rhythm to rest in our world. And there's a rhythm to restoking and refueling us. Our souls become content. And we need to keep them at that level. Great, Jez. Good for you. Yep, that's a really great theory. But I've got a job to do. Some of you might be thinking, I've got a big job to do. You don't understand what the call is that God's got on my life. You don't understand the demands of my work. You don't understand what my kids are like. There's no, re- there's no time for refueling. I have too much to do. I am too busy. There is, I, just, I can't do it. You know, that's, a, that's really awesome that you think like that. But, you know, it's, it's actually irrelevant to me. It's got nothing to do with me. I'm, I'm, I've got too much to do. I, what about the Great Commission? You know, I've got too many people to find and save. And, you know, the Great Commission is, is everything that I am going to be doing. And so I don't have time to stop, refuel, rest, whatever. Whatever you think. I'm on a mission. I love passion. And I love the zeal. I love it. And do you know what? So does God. God loves passion and God loves zeal. There's so many scriptures that talk about passion, zeal, determination, the calling on our lives, pressing on towards the goal. You know, Hebrews 12.1, we're going to list a few. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings closely, clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. 1 Timothy 6, 11 and 12. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Galatians 6, 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself as God uh, to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And even when we talk about the Sabbath, Hebrews 4.9-11, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, and for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his work as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So how does this work with rest? How can we be striving and straining and desiring and pa- being passionate about all that we're doing and live in a place of contentment? Are they, is that even possible? Does that even work? Does it mean we have to choose between living a life that is full of contentment or living a life that is full of passion and desire and zeal? Do we have to choose? Because the two don't seem to match. But the beauty of the Bible is that it is full of healthy tensions. The now and the not yet. Grace and obedience. Freedom, self-control. Whatever it is that you can think of. And one of those is contentment and passion. We're never meant to live at one extreme. But to find the balance in the tension that gives us the abundance of life that God has demonstrated, God has demonstrated for us to live. 
because contentment and passion work hand in hand. God's given us incredible gifts and talents to explore and make use of, but what He wants us to do is to stop, rest, and rely on Him in those gifts and talents, not in our own human effort. Our human striving is not what He expects. Our striving while resting in Him is what He desires. Even Paul in Philippians 3 talks about there being more for him to strain towards, and yet he still rests content at the same time, chapter 4. We've already established many times, many, many times that I'm a doer, yep, and I've been doing this journey of working out what rest means for me for well over 12 months, and probably, like I've said before, God's wanted me to be on it for like 20 years. I'm a bit slow. I love doing and I don't like slowing down. So yet again, challenged in this message. Trusting God and remembering that the world is not going to fall apart if I don't check my emails, or if I don't do that big load of washing, or if the, if the girls' school lunches are not completely ready for the next day, or whatever it might be that I feel like I constantly need to be productive all the time. The world is not going to fall apart. And every day, every day, I have a new lesson to learn. And sometimes I learn it, and sometimes it takes a few days. But finding contentment is difficult when you're always looking for the next thing. What's the next thing that I have to do? What do I have to get done? If you're like me and you feel like you need to be productive all the time, then you're not actually giving God space to show you what it means to find satisfaction and contentment. I'm generally not satisfied because there is something else to do. There's the next big thing, the next event to plan. Um, you know, it might be that our, it's, oh, it's like our kids, okay? So, you know, I can't wait until they're a little bit bigger so that. Or if we're... Single, I can't wait till I'm married so that. Or if we're married with no children, I can't wait till I have kids so that. Whatever it might be, there's always the next thing that we're looking for and not stopping to enjoy the moment that God has placed us in at that time. And the Sabbath gives us space to do that, to rely on Him, to not worry about all the stuff that has to get done, or to not worry about the next thing that's coming, but just to stop, God, what are you showing me in this moment? Even in the hard times, God, what are you showing me in this moment? When we practice, we can appreciate the seasons. We might be busy six days a week, but we can take one, or maybe to start with it won't be one, maybe it'll be half a day, maybe it'll be a few hours, whatever it is. But we can take that time to contemplate God, to rest content and satisfied, even when the plans that we had didn't go to plan. We are satisfied in Him. We are full of Him. Contentment doesn't negate desire. It enhances it. When we find contentment in Christ, in who we are, in who He is, our hearts align with His. When our hearts align with His, He increases the desire in us 
for the things that he desires. And so therefore, our heart's desire is to do what he desires, to love people, to reach the world, for kingdom, the kingdom of God to come, for heaven to be on earth. Whatever it is, he will place it on your heart and our desires will be met. And not only that, he'll increase them and give us the passion to run forward with them. The gifts and talents he has graced us with are activated at a greater level of anointing and have a greater effect because it's not in our human effort, but in him that we do this. Because contentment is found in a person. Philippians 4.13, I can do all this in him, through him who gives me strength. Because when it boils down to it, the only way that we will find contentment is in Him. Contentment can only come from God. Spending time with Him, allowing Him to show us that we can trust Him. Paul tells us that he learned how to be content. There is a lesson in that for us. God wants to teach us something and practice is going to take us on that journey practicing what it looks like in our lives, practicing it, just giving it a go. We can learn it. Full disclosure for me, my biggest thing about taking the Sabbath is, but what about? And I've kind of alluded to that already. But what about that washing? Or what about if someone needs me? Or what about if I allow God space and he like puts his finger on something that's really I don't want to deal with? We've all got those spots, the buttons that we don't want pressed, the things in the back of our minds that we're like, if I let go and have a little bit of space there, I don't want to really know what he's going to say. But the bigger question that has come to mind since looking into this is, but what if I don't allow God's space? What if I don't? Do I? Am I content to live in less than what God has intended for me for the rest of my life if I won't give him the space, if I'm too proud to let him have it or if I think I'm too important to stop for one day and have fun with my kids. What am I going to miss out on? Psalm 37, we're going to come to an end here, is just an incredible psalm. And I want to encourage you to go to Psalm 37 and meditate on this over the next couple of weeks. But Psalm 37, verses 3 and 4, to start with, say, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Verse 3 talks about trusting. And for me, rest and trust go hand in hand. Resting is a lot about trusting. Contentment is the same. I need to trust that God knows best in this journey and that he will guide me along the way. He will guide us along the way. If he is making it known to me that the Sabbath is good, then I need to trust and work, walk with him in that. But verse 3 also talks about doing good, trust and do good. Dwell and enjoy. Abide with Him and enjoy. 
You can have both and. We can enjoy the safe pasture of life with Christ and do good with Him. Verse 4 says, Delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires of our heart. Reminding that we are again, when we desire something, it's not a bad thing. When we have passion for something, it's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. It's a God thing. But first, delight in Him. Hearts aligned with God, desires aligned with God. You know, we could go through that whole psalm and it talks about committing your way and trusting in Him. He will make the righteous reward shine like the dawn. What a beautiful picture. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for Him. Don't fret when other people are succeeding in their ways. When they just like there's all these incredible truths of God in that psalm. And I want you to take some time this week to have a look yourselves. But again, He's reminding us don't race ahead, just wait patiently. Don't run after the next thing. Enjoy the thing that has just happened, what God's already done. Just give Him a moment. When we allow God's space by practicing the rhythm of rest, the Sabbath in our day-to-day lives, we rest content knowing that He is God and that life is good. So I am extending an invitation this morning from God. For you to walk into an exploration of what it means to really apply the Sabbath. We've heard a few weeks now, but I felt God wanted to invite you to try it out this week, to really try it out, to really make space, whatever day suits you, however that works in your family, whether you, whatever, however it's going to work. Make space for Him. Rest, stop, contemplate. Find satisfaction in Him. Find contentment in Him. Maybe this morning you feel like your circumstances are too much and you don't know how to find that internal condition or to rest in that internal place of contentment because the external is like roaring. We've got some people who want to pray with you this morning, to stand with you this morning. But maybe there's something else that stood out to you this morning as being something that God's put His finger on. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.